0: On today's show, Cavs get a big win against the Magic. Let's talk about it.
1: You are locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sports book. Right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduelcom on to get started. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan General. Thanks again to Jake Stevens as always for his work on production. Segment 1. Cavs, Magic, Big Takeaway. Segment 2, Game Awards. That's going to be MVP. That's going to be stat of the night. That's going to be play of the night. And Segment 3, talk a little about the rotation and looking at Dean Wade and George Niang specifically. But Evan, let's start with the Big Takeaway. Big thing for me, just a good win. there's There's some things we can nitpick, I believe. But all in all, you get a win. You get big performances from your star guards. The energy was largely very good this, this was just a quality Cavs win yeah i
1: i definitely agree i think you could tell that um <clears throat> the several days off that cleveland had just because of the knockout portion of the in-season tournament uh, a lot of teams that it orlando as well but um Either way, like the, the Cavs really needed this time off. Jared Allen said post-game that it was a good um mental reset for them. Uh, it gave them the headspace to kind of focus on the objectives. Uh, Donovan Mitchell said like it, like it we, we have to start getting this stuff together. Like They have to come out with a sense of urgency like this every single night. And Darius Garland said we have to put the fo- our foot on the necks of the opponent. And Tonight against Orlando, he said we just didn't really let like go of the rope entirely because there were moments Orlando fought back in this one, but Yeah, you could just really tell like the Cavs came pretty engaged and ready to go. They came out lethargic in the third quarter, but didn't, you know, bow down to the magic like they did against the Blazers. They came back and won and did a pretty good job beating up on arguably one of the better defensive teams in the league. And I think this is a pretty strong and I'd say fundamentally sound win for the Cavs on I wouldn't say defensively, but at least offensively, like they were very good in this game.
0: I think indisputably one of the best defensive teams in the league. I mean, this is straight up just one of the the better defense in the league. Some of the numbers Cleveland put up, I think, are pretty impressive. We'll get to those as we go on here, but you look at the game, you look at the way they played, I think, particularly in the first quarter and particularly late, I think that's really what sealed the deal for me, Evan. I think Garland and Mitchell being your drivers of success, Max Struess as well. That that's a it, it felt very it felt about as clean and as fluid as we've seen the Cavs offense at times ultimately i think in this game and and you get the nights that you got from the guards and they're driving your success i think you feel pretty good coming out of this and particularly just the fact that you know with 3 days off maybe with some time to talk through some things work on some things i think you come out of this feeling pretty good about how you've responded to some of the adversity of late and maybe you're maybe you can talk yourself into thinking you're you're figuring some things out
1: yeah i think the maybe thing is for sure um part of it just because like offensively you notice a lot more like i asked Baker staff about this post game that despite how good orlando is defensively like they aren't invincible like they are pretty average at defending fast break and they do kind of are they crash the offensive glass quite a bit so they are slow to get back on defense sometimes so teams that kind of pick up the pace a little bit and kind of make an effort to get extra offensive possessions by getting across the timeline as quickly as possible do do a little bit better against the Magic and you noticed early in this game the Cavs did make a concerted effort to play at a faster pace and kind of challenge Goga Bidace or Paolo Bancaro or I mean, whomever was kind of just having to the fall the chasm in trailing. I, I know no Jalen Suggs in this one. Hopefully, you know, it's nothing too, too serious. It didn't look great in the arena. And especially after the first time he had, was subbed out of the game, it looked like he was grabbing the back of his ankle. So you hope it's not an Achilles thing. So I, I think not having faults or um, Suggs in this game certainly did make a difference perimeter wise for the Cavs. Like it wasn't going to slow down Cleveland in the fast break, but you could tell the Cavs really just were sticking to the what we talk about a lot on this show, is they were attacking the basket quite a bit, applying a ton of rim pressure, certainly not getting as many free throws as Orlando did, but it had a trickle-down effect where the Cavs were applying so much pressure that Orlando uh, course-corrected and then uh, started defending the paint a bit more, and then that, that allowed guys like Max Strews or Donovan Mitchell or George Yang in this game, or even Dean Wade, to take advantage of the extra spacing and just take cleaner looks from the perimeter.
0: The first quarter, Mitchell, fifteen points, six of seven shooting. Struce, nine on three of five all from three. Garland had a quiet first quarter, just the three assists, just the two points. But everything I think flowed with Garland. Evan, um, the last thing I guess from this game is Jared Allen did like run back to the locker at one point. He's any anything said about him just at the him exiting at the end of the game.
1: So Jb Bickerstaff was asked about this by Spencer Davies post game. Bickerstaff said he didn't hear anything from anyone post game but he did come to the media room pretty quickly after the game so there there may not be anything alan did speak with serena winters post game as well and I, I would assume guys that are hurt usually wouldn't speak to the media so i think that gives you a little bit of optimism maybe he had to go to the bathroom maybe
0: if he had something run else off going, the court like that to go to the bathroom that would that would be wild
1: hey man sometimes you do gotta go there's actually a book about it so i'm going on the run but um Either way, uh, we'll see if there's any update tomorrow because uh, they do play the Heat on Friday, so there will be an injury update. Or if the Cavs practice, whether or not Jarrett practices or not. But um, tomorrow's in Thursday, so today actually, wink, wink. Um, but yeah, no, no serious update on him. Uh, Mitchell seemed fine post game too. After it looked like Caleb, him and Caleb Houston had a little bit of a dust up towards the end of the game, uh, just like with Houston, kind of pushing him out of bounds a little too hard, but. Yeah, uh, you just hope the Cavs can get out of this one injury-free because that that is something that has been holding them back with Levert being the guy who's now out because of a knee issue. Um, and yeah, we'll look ahead to see just who is or isn't available. And speaking of Levert, um, Bakerstaff did say the plan is for him to travel with the team on this upcoming road trip, and they hope he can get to the, onto the floor at some point during this uh, five-game trip they're going on.
0: Cleveland led by as many as 23 in this game. Final stat lines, if you're looking at this. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, 35 points and 12 of 24 shooting was 5 of 10 from 3, 6 of 9 from the line, 6 assists, 4 turnovers. Darius Garland, 26 and 9, 0 turnovers. Struce had 17. Mobley had 16 on 8 of 12 shooting. Allen had 8 and 5. George Yang adds 10 off the bench. Dean Wade adds 8 off the bench as well. gives you... Nearly 30 minutes, but did not score, but was a team-best plus 16 in his minutes for whatever that is worth. All right, coming up next, Game Awards. That's MVP Stat of the Night and Play of the Night. We'll do that up next. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 100. $150 And fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning $5 MoneyLine bet. Let me repeat that. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit Fanduel.com slash Locked On and kick off the NFL season. They have NBA odds too if that is more your jam, including in-season tournament odds. That is going on Thursday night and this weekend. And they'll have Cavs heat for Friday too. So remember, that's Fanduel.com slash Locked On. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Fanduel, official sportsbook of Locked On and an official partner of the NFL. All right, Cavs Magic. Evan, who's your MVP? Darius Garland in this one. He
1: didn't have a great game against Portland the last time they were home. Uh, He was better, but not great against the Pistons. I think he really benefited from this time off, and I think um, he was just all over the court in this game. Like He really had his finger on the pulse every single time he was on the floor. There were moments that the Cavs staggered lineups with Mitchell, where Mitchell was running point and Garland was sitting, or Garland was just running the show with one of Mobley or Allen or both of them, and it just felt like the Cavs had a lot of offensive cohesion and flow. And you really saw it because even though Garland's shot wasn't falling in the first quarter, he was still being aggressive, but he wasn't being careless while being aggressive. And he was getting his teammates involved, had a healthy dosage of assists. I mean, it allowed Max Struess and Donovan Mitchell to really benefit it from the most. But yeah, Garland was phenomenal in this game. And like completely, un- I, I don't know, like Mitchell was red hot scoring wise, almost had a triple double. You could say Struess had a great game too. But like for me, it was Darius Garland in this game
0: it's garland. Um you could I'm sorry Mitchell had 35 and I get that. I get how good he was. I think particularly the scoring for him was awesome. He'll come up in, in another category for me as we do awards here and this was a, he was he was the tone setter in a lot of ways, but I think Garland playing near playing the most minutes of any player on the team, almost 40, being efficient still, you know, not quite Exactly on point as a shooter from three, but got to the line five times. The aggression was good. And the nine assists against zero turnovers. This is the kind of game Garland has always been capable of. That is the best version of Darius Garland. That is the Darius Garland that makes this Cavs team go. The Darius Garland that makes the Cavs go is the one who's not turning the ball over, who is careful, who is still making ridiculous passes and opening things up for others, but is not turning the ball over in bunches and giving away free buckets. And this is about as this is to me probably the best game he has played this season. This is one of the best Cavs wins of the season, I think, considering the quality of the opponent and, and where they're at in the year. But just a really good Darius Garland performance. He is the MVP and Mitchell was great, but I, I go Garland as well. All right, stat of the night for me. Cavs had an offensive rating of one nineteen point eight. To do that against Orlando, really buoyed by what they did in transition, particularly off of live rebounds, not a ton of turnovers in this game, did well enough in the half court to score and do all of that. Um, but to put up that kind of offensive rating, to be that efficient, that effective on offense. Against an Orlando team that came into the game, fourth best defense in the league, tied well tied with Houston for third, one oh nine point nine defensive rating, to blow that out of the water to to post that kind of offensive rating, that's well better than their own offensive rating for much of this year, you feel really good about that. If it's Cleveland, if this offensive rating is on par, you know, with like the third best offense in the league over the course of the whole year, just a really good Cavs offensive performance. You know, certainly some moments I think where in the third quarter when this game got close, Evan, where the game stuck and the game felt off, and you wondered, okay, is the offense? reverting back. Is there something that they're doing? They're coaching. Is it the play style? What is going on that they can't sustain that first quarter energy in a lot of ways, but they get the transition stuff. And on the whole, this is a very good Cavs offensive performance and that offensive rating tells that story.
1: Yeah. And I think it's more indicative of the fact that like Orlando's offensive rating is just so consistently good. Like they are a very good half court defensive team. Like when they do get set, like it's very hard to score on them because they're just so lengthy and big at every position one through five and like yeah there's no Markel Fultz there's no Jalen Sykes for the better part of this game um no Wendell Carter Jr. but still like the Cavs made a concerted effort to just put the pressure and t- tighten the screws on Orlando and just never really relented and I think just that number is indicative of it and we'll talk about this a bit more in the third segment but for me like Cleveland did have a defensive rating of 107.8 which you know is about average for them, I think. I want to say right now, but like it's an, obviously J.B. staff was kind of critical of it post game just because of how many free throw attempts they gave up. And I mean, you could talk about the officiating this game all you want, but still, like the Cavs kind of were in that position to begin with, too. But either way, like yeah, that that was um, a really impressive offensive just performance from Cleveland. And I think when we talked about this team heading into the season and them sacrificing uh, some of their defensive power for offense, like this is a good example of that where. They're still able to contain an opponent scoring wise and still win by a pretty healthy margin, um, despite the fact that they may be giving up more points or more opportunities to the free throw line. But my set of the night is we, we talked about it when Darius was MVP. Um, nine assists, zero turnovers. J.B. Baker's staff shared with me the other day that like Darius was pretty aware of the fact that um, he was turning over the ball a little bit more than he should be. He's being very careless with the basketball. Um, it was funny. Ethan Sands' post came brought it up, and Darius made him repeat it. I think twice, uh, just to say like he had nine assists and zero turnovers. But like, this is a good example of like Garland being aggressive with the ball, but not being careless with it. Because my play of the night, and I'll, I'll talk about it in a second, but like that was the perfect. But that my play of the night was like the crystallization of that, where like Garland, when his motor's running hot and he's just feeling the f- pulse of the offense, is able to just move it and has a certain shiftiness and gravity to his game where he can bend opposing defenses and he just happened to find his teammates in the right spot. And as he continues to grow and find comfort with the new faces or just kind of the new offensive approaches that the Cavs are utilizing, like this is a pretty welcome sign just considering like how kind of he's been playmaking wise to start the year.
0: All right. Um, Let's go to play the night.
1: What's your play? So with about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, Darius drives to the, this is a Darius heavy segment for me, but drives to the basket, um, has either like a behind the back or wraparound pass. You could describe it as either, but was able to hit Evan Mobley, who who then got a clean dunk at the basket. And then I I know Orlando still kind of scrapped till the closing moments of the game, but like that kind of felt like a dagger play for me, where like if the Cavs had just kind of sucked the life out of the magic entirely, like that could have been the moment that was the exclamation point. But like, that's what i'm talking about like garland is still doing like these really flashy like high value assists that like are one momentum shifters but that's him being aggressive with like you know his own style on top of it but like he wasn't being reckless either like that was still like a really smart pass because orlando kind of overreacted and i think they threw two defenders at him and Mobley was kind of open and garland was able just to sneak the ball into the pocket and get it to his big man and get an easier look at the bucket
0: Great play. I mean, Garland, I think, was just... I, this is those games you on cut in. You're, like, you're just like, oh, right, this guy's really good at basketball. Pretty cool when he's playing good basketball. Like, what a concept, you know? How much it, better this team is when Darius Garland is doing cool stuff.
1: I, I know. It, it is weird to think about. Like, what a concept. Um, You know,
0: some... some. I'm not even going to go there, but yeah, what's your play? Donovan Mitchell, third quarter, about a little under 130 to go. He misses the three. And he follows it up uh, from the left wing. He immediately knows he missed it. He's already kind of tripping in the lane a little bit. And then the moment he realizes it's not going in, he chases it down, gets the offensive rebound, and puts it right back up. Say what you want about Mitchell. I think there are things you could absolutely critique him about and and how he fits into the play style of the team at times or causes some of the issues. Um, I, this guy is generally just an insane athlete an a sane competitor. When he, when his motor is running like this, he is, he's going to give you two, three, four plays a night that are just sheer, sheer him. I, I am stronger than you. I am faster than you. I am going to compete more than you. And this is that kind of play. This is a pretty innocuous play in the grand scheme of things. But one of my favorite things about Mitchell time and time again is when he misses shots or he sees an opportunity to to make up for a mistake, the energy comes out and he goes after it and he just he just sprints in a lane. You know, Cole Anthony doesn't block him out and he beats bigs who are closer to the ball to get this rebound and get two points, puts the Cavs up sixteen with like about a minute thirty left in the third quarter. Just a hustle this is just a hustle play from your superstar. That that stuff does matter.
1: Yeah, it absolutely does matter. Um, just because, it, and you have it, just like in the fact that like those are momentum shifters. You see a dude busting his butt to kind of make the extra effort because like he could have given up on the att- the attempt. He followed through on a shot, made sure um, he he did a little pass. Cole Anthony, who is not not like the defensive guard of like Bolts or Black or Suggs on Orlando's roster, but he's still lanky, he's still long, he's irritating. So like that's that's a play in of itself, but. It does make me wonder when you see like Mitchell's mode start to run hot like this again. After it was like kind of dull to start the season, he was dealing with some hamstring stuff. You have to wonder if like he's finally starting to feel healthy again. Like the hamstrings aren't really as big of an issue as they were. Maybe when they were kind of nagging, and he's able to turn the corner and kind of start building together some consistency because, <clears throat> like we talked about it when talking about MVP, like he was the leading scorer for Cleveland. Garland probably had a bigger impact in terms of playmaking, but like Mitchell did have like, I don't have the stats in front of me, like seven rebounds, six assists as well. Like he was impactful in other ways, but like there's also just moments where like he shows tenacity and grit that the Cavs were certainly lacking before they got him And thank God they have him now because you hope that he can just continue to string these plays together as he just keeps figuring out maybe his fit like Garland is within like this new offensive system the Cavs are trying to implement.
0: Coming up next, miscellaneous notes on Cavs Magic, the rotation, and specifically the play of Dean Wade and George Niang. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest DFS that's daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting one to play DFS. It is just you versus the numbers. You just pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can have pick combo projections across football and basketball from their specials league. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, go LeBron James and Travis Kelsey, plus 10.5 on a combo of three-pointers made and receptions. Prize picks also offers a reboot policy, so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Go to prizepickscom backslash locked in NBA and use code LOCKEDINNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepickscom backslash locked in NBA and use code LOCKEDINNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks daily fantasy sports made easy. Alright, last segment. Uh Evan, before we get to the actual basketball stuff, I gotta tell you, didn't ha I didn't know this about him, but I think of any Cavs player on the roster, I think between it's either George Nang or Isaac Okoro who I think would be most likely to back up their teammates in a fight. Cause every time I- you see there's like a little scuffle, or like there was the the number two for Orlando, the Caleb Houston, the the former Michigan guy, he had that kind of push. Uh, I forget who it was, but pushed someone into the bench. The only guy to stand up off the bench and kind of talk S-H-I-T at the other person was George Ning. And we saw him get into it the other night with Jalen Duran. I mm-hmm. think like he's low-key, low-key, Niang and Okor are like the two guys that are like willing to, to scrap a little bit if it comes to it. I, I've kind of enjoyed watching a little subplot of George Nang kind of getting into it with people.
1: So he's kind of always had that reputation. I know Dean Wade shared this with me. Like, it's, and a lot of other guys in the Cavs, are like, it's kind of better to have on your side versus having to deal with him because he's the dude who talks SHIT to the opposing team when he's on the floor or when they're on the, like, his team's side of the floor. Like, he's just constantly talking. He never shuts up really. Like, just this constantly in your ear kind of situation. And Donovan Mitchell actually talked about in the Yang Post game a little bit, but how, like, You know, just how important he is voice-wise just to be like a leader on this team. He is that guy who can kind of be ready to scrap and throw down and has your back. But he's also good at holding people accountable, I think, too. And like, I think he's not afraid to talk crap just to opponents, but also his teammates were like, there was a moment Mitchell said he got a shot blocked in this game. And Niang went up to him and said, you know, there's four other people open on that play. And then like went back on defense. And so, like, there's moments like that where, like, he he kind of is a little rough, a little abrasive. And I yeah, think that's just something the Cavs are kind of lacking at times. And listen, I know I hold my breath when I watch Niang, like, dribble drive to the basket, and he was getting shots against the Magic tonight. So, hats off to you, George, on this one. But yeah, like, he, he definitely seems like a dude that you would not want to mess with just because, like, him, if you had, like, a tag team of, like, him and Okoro, like, and it's hell in the cell, hell in a cell, like, It's going to end up being like a Koro versus Niang. The final surprise, like only only two come in, one come out kind of situation
0: for the belt. Look, every partnership needs someone who's willing to be abrasive at times. I just think that's important. I think I'm that person with us, if I'm being honest. You you found that over time, and I, I love that that I've just I, I've slowly some things changed in my life and I just slowly was like I'm just going to be prickly because I think I'm naturally a little bit prickly when I feel like I need to be yeah that tracks that's that tracks that 100% is, is some interesting stuff for me all right rotation tonight Mobley Struce, Allen Garland Mitchell start all of them except for, all of them played pretty uh, significant minutes Allen less than the others due to some foul trouble but you'd expect him on a normal night to play like 28 to 32 minutes Okoro plays twenty-eight, basically twenty-nine. Niang plays twenty-seven. Wade plays fourteen, basically, and then you get the the Tristan Thompson cameo uh, at five minutes. That said, Tristan Thompson did have, have like the most success against Paolo Bancara, who just like wrecked shop in this game. Had a game-high forty-two, career-high forty-two for him. Cleveland really had issues defending him, um, but the rotation was really eight guys. Niang and Wade, I think, give you gave pretty good effort in a couple ways. Um, maybe a little lacking in terms of their sturdiness defensively, but I, I liked the offensive stuff from both of them. Mm-hmm. And it feels like this is the rotation now. Because if, like, LaVert will be back, and if there's ever a game where maybe Craig Porter Jr. gets back into the fold, this would you would have thought maybe this is the one considering yeah. the LaVert injury. But no, they go eight, and then Thompson really only plays because of foul trouble. So what did you make of the rotation?
1: Well, first off, I'm really impressed, Isaac. Acora, I know plus minus doesn't give you the full perspective on stuff, but Acquaro led the team in plus minus, but yep. while going 0 of 4 from the floor, like he once again was really important for the Cavs as like a defensive grinder. Um, I, I don't know if JB pulled Mitchell a little early in the first quarter, but I did notice like when the Magic were kind of trying to match the Cavs shot for shot, at least on the interior, JB called Isaac's number pretty quick, and Isaac went out there and kind of slowed down what the magic were throwing at them, whether it was Cole Anthony or Gary Harris, who jumped in pretty quickly for um Jalen Suggs. I mean like Harris was one of seven from the floor. Cole Anthony was eight of fourteen. Uh, Anthony Black was five of five. Uh Braun's Wagner was three of sixteen, which I think that's like he really felt a coro there. Like a Bancaro had a kind of uh, empty calories forty-two, even though like it was there were moments where like he, they were close in it, but like it, it did feel like a little bit of too little too late towards the end when he was pouring it on. But Still, like, Okoro was really impactful in this game. I think this is, you're right, like, this is the kind of the proper bench rotation where if Levert is healthy, healthy, I think he would leapfrog Okoro minute-wise in terms of just the reserve guys. Um, Allen obviously wouldn't play 19 minutes in a typical scenario, but he was in foul trouble. That's why we saw that cameo from Tristan Thompson for about five-ish minutes or so. But if the Cavs are maybe going eight, possibly nine deep, and let's just in it's... Levert, Okoro, Niang, and Wade—like that's not a bad problem to have, especially because, like you said, like defensively, you are making some sacrifices at times with Wade and Niang on the floor. I think more so Niang than Wade, but like you are, were getting shooting from them—they were both two of five from three-point range—and they were getting scoring from them elsewhere too. They Niang had two buckets within the three-point arc, and Wade had one. So, all in all, like not a bad rotation. I think bigger also staggering the minutes between like Garland and Mitchell, and then Mobley and Allen at least. When Allen was available, um, was really smart too. I think the the Cavs playing five small lineups at times tonight too. I think Yang was technically the five in one of the lineups at one point. But like the JB did a little bit of experimenting on the fly, despite the fact this is kind of like a I wouldn't say must win game, but like a, a game of significant importance because this is a top three team in the Eastern Conference record wise. And the Cavs did try a couple of new things, where they did go bigger at times. They went smaller, and I think I think the rotations and lineups, just mixing and matching um, starters with bench players, worked really well for Cleveland in this game.
0: Niang and Wade being effective in their own ways, I think, would be useful. I think they just need it's it's going to be about making shots for them and making and taking shots. The fact that Dean Wade took a, sh- a shot like almost every other minute, more of that, Dean. That's how yeah. you stay on the floor. Cause he did yep. not Did you, I did I did have a little LOL with him this game when uh, Paolo, who's just huge and strong, may almost bounced him to Medina County. Cause he just like shouldered him, and Dean just like flew back, and I was like, oh, he's not strong enough for this.
1: Yeah, you know, Paolo would probably like grow up in Parma. He'd be one of those those Par- Parma paisans. You know what I'm saying? Just like eating the uh, eating some good Polish food and Slovakian food, but still getting a nice Italian dish. But yeah, Paolo's just freaking massive, man. The Magic in general are a big team, like. You can you can definitely see John Horst's fingerprints from after his time in Milwaukee are all over this roster, and how like they're built. Like Anthony Black was the starting point guard, and he's six six. Like the, they are not small by any sense the stretch of the imagination. And um, it is. I, I wish I had thought about asking it, but did you see what Kevin Durant said about Mo Wagner being like one of the biggest trash talkers in the NBA?
0: Yeah, uh, I the Wagner brothers are fun. They're, they're they are a fun little. The the magic are also like pushing them. Like they, there's a Jake Fisher story about them, and then they're on a, pardon, they were on the Barstool Pod. Pardon my take as like a duo, and I'm like the the, the Wagner brothers are just a thing now.
1: Seriously, this is what Kevin Durant said. I walked away from that game thinking, "Damn, that rookie is an a hole." When talking about um. When Mo Wagner was talking trash to Kevin Durant the whole game, and like you know, game recognizes game. As a guy who's terminally online, and can say some of the nastiest stuff, like trash talk wise. KD did his cap, but yeah, they're they're a fun duo. Uh, makes you wonder if Isaiah and Mobley ever becomes something if the Cavs ever try to push that angle a little bit. It might be a little tougher because Evan is not as outspoken as maybe Isaiah can be. But hey, it's worth a shot. Um, my like, just like jot down notes in this game is we were we were talking about offensive and defensive rating for the Cavs in the second segment. But like, this game was indicative of like the Cavs certainly making that sacrifice defensively to kind of make a priority on offense. And this this is a game where think clicked for more or less for the Cavs on offense. But like, again, you can complain about the fact that the Magic had thirty seven free throw attempts in this game, and the Cavs had, were kind of dealing with. They had 27 fouls as a team. Um, it, you can complain about that all you want. But, like, yeah, like you could tell, like, the Cavs aren't going to be the same team. I, I think that was unrealistic to think, especially with the additions that they were going to be the same team defensively as they were last year. Um, maybe they find a little bit more of that form, but, like, they're still a top 10 defensive team. But, like, the offense, I, I would hope when watching this team will eventually start to catch up to the defense where they do kind of show that two way balance on either end of the floor where. There are going to be nights where like opponents score 100-plus on them, but the Cavs aren't turning into a rock fight along the way, which is kind of refreshing to watch after seeing some ugly wins this season, like the win over the Pistons or the one over the Raptors or, or plenty of them last season.
0: I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerill. Talk to y'all tomorrow ahead of Cavs Heat. Have a great Thursday. Thanks going to Jake Stevens. Hope you enjoyed the hoops.